Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of the Unleash Your Impact podcast. Today's episode is actually a replay of a recent Facebook Live event that took place where I share all about how to set norms that matter, how to set meaningful norms in intentional ways. Now, this episode is all about how to set norms when you're utilizing Marco Polo as an instructional leader, but this episode is applicable across all settings, both virtual and in person. So be sure to listen in, take a watch, and then go to my website, catchingupwithcasey.com impact to get the resources that go with this episode and previous episodes. Okay. I can't wait to hear what you think. Be sure to leave a comment below, follow me, and share this with someone who is also ready to unleash their impact. All right, so I wanna dig in today to the topic at hand, and that is setting norms for groups in Marco Polo. So several people have talked about using Marco Polo to create groups for their new hires. So you might have a new hire orientation group or support group. You might have a first year teacher support group that you are using Marco Polo to facilitate conversations. And you may even have uh, group chats with like leadership teams or grade level teams. I know there is a um, assistant superintendent of curriculum instruction in East Texas that I visited with last week, and she's planning to utilize this with her um, with her new hires, her first year teachers, and she's wanting to use it with her leadership teams. And then she's thinking about in October using Marco Polo to begin a share cast. So we're working through that together and I'm really excited. But one of the things that we talked about was, okay, how do you ensure that number one, people are using it appropriately And how do you ensure that you're giving opportunities for people to feel comfortable enough to jump into the conversation on Marco Polo because it is a video chat. So it's not real time though, right? So you record your video and once you've recorded the video in the group, people can come to it and watch it at their leisure, at their own time when they get a chance to do so and respond when they feel comfortable or when they have a chance to respond. So that got me to thinking about norms and how this, even this platform is a space where you would want to set norms. Now, here's the other thing I was thinking about, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into norms because really and truly the idea that I'm sharing with you today about setting norms in Marco Polo, it goes it is transitional into your real-time physical space. So those times that you're meeting with groups, we want to be setting norms intentionally. And using Marco Polo can be a great place to model the setting of norms and the modeling of norms, the revisiting of norms, and the stories that um, our norms create. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But I do want to share a couple of things from some authors that are experts in their fields. And we're going to be thinking about the field of leadership. And we're going to be thinking about the field of coaching. So I want to think about what, as a leader, great leaders are able to support 
and foster collective efficacy in their teams. That's what great leaders do. So let me tell you a little bit about collective efficacy. And what I'm going to share with you today comes from the book Leading Collective Efficacy. It is written by Stephanie Height and Jenny Donahue. And here's what they state um, from Bandura, Albert Bandura's work about efficacy. Efficacy beliefs are future oriented. They are rooted in individuals and teams there and then experiences what occurred in the past and here and now experiences or what is happening in the current environment. So as an instructional leader, you have the tendency, or not tendency, you have the opportunity. I don't know where tendency came from. You have the opportunity to begin enabling conditions that make collective efficacy possible and norm setting norms in your groups in a really intentional way on Marco Polo is one way to start enabling those conditions for collective efficacy to come to fruition. But here's the funny thing about norms. The funny thing about norms is that we don't all have a common understanding of norms, okay? Now I wanna bring you to the first thing that you're gonna to want to think about when setting norms with groups in Marco Polo, and that is to co-construct them, okay? Because like I just said, we have a tendency to believe all sorts of different things about norms, and those different things that we think about norms come from our past experiences, and everyone may come with a different experience of norms. Here is what Elena Aguilar says from her book, um, The Art of Coaching Teams. She has an entire section dedicated to creating norms and some really valuable tools that you can use in Marco Polo groups, but also in your um, teamwork with, with groups in your physical spaces. So here's one thing that she says, which I find is so true. Many educators have had negative experiences with creating norms or just haven't experienced them as meaningful tools. I'm going to state that one more time. Many educators have had negative experiences with creating norms or just haven't experienced them as meaningful tools. So let me tell you a brief little story. I, I have done several consulting engagements with teams of teachers and on multiple occasions, I have sat down at the beginning of our work together to set norms. And here's, here's what I said. So tell me about norms that you think we could adhere to so that we can get the most out of our work together today. And when I say it was an uncomfortable, awkward silence, I, I just don't even know how to describe the discomfort that I felt. And I know that the people I was with felt a little bit uncomfortable. But why? Why was there this awkward silence and this feeling of discomfort? It's because we're coming with different experiences. We're coming with all of these different past experiences. When you set norms, you are going to co-construct them together so that they mean something and so that you have a common language and understanding about norms. So if you're co-constructing norms with your teams, you are absolutely going to want to define what do we mean by norms? So I've got a couple of questions for you to ask when you're thinking about norms. What are norms? 
Visit about that with your people before you decide to list them out. Why do we set norms? What norms could help us accomplish our goals? Like if you're getting into a Marco Polo group without a goal at hand, like without a purpose or a why behind the group, take a step back and think about that purpose or that why first. And then after you've decided that purpose and you have some goals for what you want to accomplish in that Marco Polo group, co-construct your norms. Could, and then you might even give some examples because even still, people may see norms as something like rules, right? And oftentimes rules are stated at the beginning and we never revisit them again. And they're blanket statements that don't have a lot of meaning. So you might say, could blank be a norm we set and then continue that? So that, right? So could this be a norm that we set so that this goal is accomplished, okay? So really be thinking about co-constructing the norms, having some deep discussions about what are norms, what do we mean by each of these norms before you post them into the group, okay? All right, so the second thing that you're gonna want to think about is how you are going to model those norms. As an instructional leader, especially someone who's taking on the challenge of um, implementing this amazing tool that could be a little bit out of people's comfort zones, you're going to want to model what these norms look like in action. It is okay to be the model of someone who is following the norm, like we absolutely want to be the model of someone who's following the norm. But you might also end up being the person who's modeling what it does not look like to follow the norm. And it might be that you've decided, okay, I haven't followed the norm. I want to address it. I want to be transparent. And in that way, you are influencing and impacting your group to know, like, and trust you as an instructional leader. So you are going to have to think, if these are the norms, how can I intentionally model that? You may even think about other people who are in the group that you are strategically asking to be a model for a specific norms. So as it stands, we all have our own native genius. There are going to be certain norms that some people um, are really, like really exemplify. So I might exemplify the norm of being um, open and honest so that all, all people can grow. Another person might have a re- might be able to exemplify the norm of um, asking the tough questions because our kids deserve it. Think about who is a great exemplary of those norms that you set and ask them to model that. Okay. So We're going to come back to that piece at the end with the fourth thing that you want to think about, which is going to be the most impactful thing. Um, But here's I want to be sure that I state some things. Now, all of this that I'm sharing with you is going to be available on my website as a download. You get a free PDF of all of these different things to consider when you're setting norms for groups in Marco Polo. So remember, that's catchingupwithcasey.com slash impact. Okay, so we have talked about co-constructing norms and being the model. What I want you to do in the chat 
is put a hashtag co-construct or a hashtag be the model if one of those stands out to you. So think about which one of those really stands out to you that you want to hold on to either hashtag co-construct or hashtag be the model. Okay. So here's what I want to, to read from uh, the handout that's going to be available on my website. Live out norms across platforms and situations. Now I do want to say, if you have these norms in Marco Polo, yeah, we want to mark we want to model them in that Marco Polo group, but you also want to model them in your physical interactions and all of the situations that you are um, engaging in with the people that are in the group and people that are not out, not in the group, because that's going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to share this with you in a moment. That's going to give you an opportunity for storytelling about these norms with the broader community. I've already talked about holding yourself accountable and maintaining transparency and authenticity. People want to know that you are real, right? They want to know that you have the same struggles that they have. Be transparent, be authentic, and in that you're building true, strong connections and relationships, okay? And these are the foundations that we need. Like this is part of what norms do. They help us to make those connections. They help us to uh, build transparency and deep relationships, but they also help us to do the deep work. And our deep work, guess who's at the end of that deep work? It's our students, okay? And while we're working on that deep work to benefit our students, we are growing as people, right? We are thinking about how we're going to make an impact, not just on the students, but in those around us. Okay, so here's what you want to also do. You want to revisit them not only regularly, but intentionally. So revisit them intentionally. Here's what I find sometimes happens. We set norms, and this is like on a day-to-day -day basis. We set norms, we might even make a pretty poster. We put it on the wall. And then it becomes what? It becomes wall art. Hashtag no more wall art. That's all it becomes sometimes. And that's not intentional. And that's not impactful. And that doesn't help us to do the deep work. But guys, I'm guilty of it too. I have created norms with groups that I thought was like, yeah, we've got, we've got the possibility of doing great deep work together. And we stuck it up on the wall. And because it's kind of hard for me to have some um, intense conversations when people are on a time crunch, because of that, I've kind of dismissed them. Like, ooh, I really should review those norms. Ooh, yeah, should have talked about the norms before we started this meeting. But man, I'm telling you what, time is a thief and it's not just a thief of um, our moments. It is a thief of our deep work together and the possibilities that we could, the, the potential possibility, the possibility potential. I talked about that last week or last time we met. So we want to revisit them intentionally. And here's something that, um, here's something that I always think about when creating norms, like if our norms have been co-constructed with our people and we're modeling them regularly, then 
we have to do more than just restate them, right? Like we have to ensure that they mean something to the group that we're working with. They also have to mean something to each individual, okay? So revisit them intentionally, but do more than just list them out. I was in a meeting recently and that's kind of exactly what we did. And that was my fault, completely my fault. We met together, we had created norms like, Probably, I don't know, four weeks before that, we got together in the meeting and I was like, well, we really should revisit these norms, read through them. So is it, does it still sound good to everybody? Okay, let's, let's start the meeting. That's pointless. That was purposeless. That's like them seeing this, a, a poster that's been above the copier for years and years. It means nothing. So what I could have done instead is said, okay, we've got these norms in place. I want you to think about all of these norms and I want you to decide what is it that we really need to adhere to in this meeting together to help us accomplish our goal at hand. I don't have to revisit all of them every time. I could just focus on one of them or I could have the group of people think, which of these do I really wanna work on? What do I feel like I'm really doing well? What, what do I feel like is really helping us move along collectively as a team? And what is it that, man, I, I've kind of missed the target on that. So revisit them intentionally with purpose. And that brings me to the next piece of this, okay? The next thing that you're going to want to do, you are going to revisit them by celebrating. And you are going to want to celebrate with stories. I don't mean Instagram stories. I mean actual stories. And here's the thing, as an instructional leader, you are going to have to be the person that is intentionally and purposefully and carefully cataloging things that are happening and collecting those as stories that you share. That is authentic. Our people, we as a human race, we are story driven. We are able to live through stories. We are able to experience things through stories. We are able to connect with people through stories. That's just our life. We are, in essence, continuously marketing as instructional leaders because we're telling stories. And great marketing is storytelling. So if you are thinking about all of these different stories that you're cataloging together and you're connecting them to the norms that you have, when you share those stories that relate to a norm, you are providing mastery experiences that are uh, common between the people you're working with. So remember earlier, I shared with you like this collective efficacy can only happen through mastery experiences that we have together. People are coming originally at the beginning of our work with all of these different experiences from their past. And we don't all know those experiences that people have had. So we're going to create the new experiences, the mastery experiences, and those experiences are going to live through stories. Okay, so let's assume that and put a hashtag for me in the comments if you're thinking 
hashtag story, I want to tell more stories in the future. Hashtag story or hashtag celebrate with stories or hashtag stories have meaning because they absolutely do. Okay, so let's assume that one of the norms in your Marco Polo group, because I do want to think about the Marco Polo situation like this works for everything, though, right? Like this is not just for Marco Polo. It's just that Marco Polo is a great place to start. And here's why before I get on to that next part. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. Like I just got really excited about this one um, thing I was thinking. But if like me, because I will tell you, I have been, and I've told you earlier, I've been in situations where people did not know what norms were. And it created this really awkward um, time period where I had to, I had to like reflect and take a step back and think, okay, I've got to start over again and, and realize that we have to have a common understanding about norms. But if you don't regularly set norms in your school and in your meetings, um, or you haven't set norms with groups, or the flip side of that, you have set norms, but they don't have meaning and purpose. The Marco Polo group is a great way to revive that. Okay. You have an opportunity to test it out, to try it out, to revive it. So let's assume a norm that the group decided on that they co-constructed together was, um, we, Ask the hard questions because our kids deserve it, right? Or we choose to we choose to push back and challenge the status quo. And I'm going to keep keep with that because our kids deserve it. So you may have a situation within that Marco Polo group, if that's the norm, that an individual has pushed back on something. And maybe it's a tradition that the school has implemented for years and years. And they're asking like, why are we still doing this? It doesn't seem like it's benefiting us and it doesn't seem like it's benefiting our kids. Now, as an instructional leader, if especially if you were a person that had a, a hand in implementing that tradition and you felt strongly about it, you, that could ruffle your feathers a little bit, but you are going to choose to see that person in their authenticity and you're going to choose to see that person and their deep thought processes for what they are and you're going to celebrate that because they're adhering to the norms that you set in the beginning. So you're going to latch onto it. You're going to catalog it. And then a little while later, not directly in the moment, but a little while later, you're going to bring it up again and say, especially after you've had time to process, you're going to say, I want to tell you guys a story about what happened in our group. So-and-so, Janie, whoever it might be, Janie um, asked this hard question and it ruffled my feathers. I was a little bit offended, but then I realized that she's asking the hard questions because you know what? Our kids deserve it. That's a story and other people can live in that story and other people can connect to that story and other people can think to themselves, if so-and-so can do this, if Janie can do this, I can do this too. I can ask the hard questions and I know that it's going to be received in this group, even if it ruffles feathers, because that's the norm that we set together. Talk about building collective 
efficacy. Like there's no better way than to be transparent, than to co-construct norms together, than to model it, and to tell the stories that come from it, okay? So I want you to drop in the comments. What is it about stories that make you feel as though you are a part of something bigger than yourself? What is it about stories that help you connect? What is it about stories, I'm going to say it again, that make you feel like you are a part of something bigger than yourself? Okay, drop that in the comments below. Okay, so here's what I'm going to read to you from the download that I have for you. Okay, just so you know exactly what is on this download. It's the four different things that I've shared with you today and some details about those things. But here's what I jotted down for Celebrate Norms with Stories. You're going to authentically celebrate norms through success stories. The story is the vessel for the norm being celebrated. It is something others can envision for themselves. If their peer has lived the story, so can they. Okay. So I'm seeing in these comments, people saying like stories let you feel like you are not alone. Absolutely. Christina said, I can relate to them. Um, Abana, yay, I'm so glad you're here, Abana. Alyssa's here. They help us see that we are in the school for the same goal, absolutely, collectively working toward a common goal. Alyssa says, stories make me consider the whole picture rather than my individual perspective, spotlighting the native genius in others and considering how we all work together. Yes, Abana, they connect us. Absolutely. Okay. So let me recap what we've talked about as far as setting norms in Marco Polo. And while I'm recapping, what I want you to do is think about Marco Polo specifically. So let's, I want you to imagine yourself in this Marco Polo group. It could be a group that you've already started and you're thinking about how to begin setting goals in, or not setting goals, but well, you could set goals, but setting norms in that group. Or it could be that you are about to begin a group on Marco Polo for a specific set of people and you want to be sure you implement um, setting norms. I want you to drop some questions that you might have or some thoughts that you ha might have about that process in the comments. Okay, so do that as I am recapping the things that we talked about. So remember, you want to co-construct norms with your people so that there is a common language and a common understanding about what norms are and what we mean by each of these norms. You are going to be the model. You are going to model with authenticity. You are going to model with transparency. And you are going to model not just in the Marco Polo group, but in all spaces and situations. You're going to be mindful about modeling and you might even intentionally have specific people model the things that they are natively great at doing, okay? Um, you're going to revisit them intentionally. Revisit them intentionally. So we're not gonna put it up and have it as wall art that we forget about, Um you are not going to restate the entire list of them when you get together and you want to revisit them. No, you are going to intentionally think, how can we revisit these in a way that's going to help us meet our goal as a group? And then finally, and I feel like
because our stories connect us. Our stories bring meaning to the norms. Okay. They bring them actually to a reality. All right. Um, Lynn said they ground, they ground us in reality. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Okay. So remember you can um, access this document along with all of the other resources that I have shared in this and previous, um, that just made me think of something, but in previous sessions, I also will link the book, The Art of Coaching Teams and the book Leading Collective Efficacy in that um, on that impact resources page so that you can um, purchase those if you would like to. I'll have the, them linked to Amazon. So here's what Avina said. How can we get teachers on Marco Polo without them feeling that it is more work, yet another meeting or yet another meeting? Totally get it. And I feel the power of Marco Polo, but I worry about how teachers will use it. OK, so I actually talked with um, the assistant superintendent that I shared about earlier. She and I talked about this and she's intentionally going to use it with a very small group of people. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was how utilizing a Marco Polo sharecast can help you to get people accustomed to it at, in the beginning and to see the value in it and then branch off into um, optional or voluntary Marco Polo groups. And that's where, like, if you don't want everyone to, or if you are not, um, if you don't feel like you're in a place yet where you are expecting people to use it, make it completely optional and voluntary. And that would be around instructional strategies. It would be around book studies. It would be optional book studies. It would be around like grade level teams or part partnerships. So I would absolutely make it optional. And that is one of the things that we talked about um, in the last session, like the first follow-up session, we talked about ways to begin implementing it. And one of the things that I talk about is making it optional and um, and invitational. And like I said, a sharecast is a great place to start because it's just you providing information. There is no requirement for them to actively engage. Um, how can we have accountability with norms? So, you know, when I first started or, or first titled this session, I titled it as um, setting norms so we can avoid those awkward or unnecessarily uh, unnecessary moments, I think. And then I quickly changed that because I didn't want to focus on people that would not adhere to norms. Um, and I instead wanted to focus on it being a way to multiply the native genius in others. So as far as accountability with norms goes, I honestly think that you being the model, you revisiting them intentionally and celebrating with stories is the best approach for that. And I do also believe that if you notice that, there, that someone's struggling to follow a norm that you've set, I think it's important for you to have a face-to-face -face conversation with that person, not on Marco Polo, um, not via text, not via email, but completely one-on-one um, -on -one with them face-to-face -face and have a, a fierce conversation, a crucial conversation. Thank you guys so much for um, coming with, coming and joining me on a Friday afternoon.
<laughs> Abena said two words, I can. Yes, you can, absolutely, sister. All right, guys, I'll catch you later. Peace.